Hello and welcome back to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson. Holy crap, I miss doing this, you guys. Wow. Obviously, the show is going to be a little lighter in terms of content until sports comes back. But hey, esports are still a thing. I still like talking about them and I still have plenty of opinions. So I'm going to bring the show back because really it was just depression at March Madness not happening this year. As I'm recording this, the national championship game was supposed to have been tonight. So when you hear this, March Madness, which should have been, will technically be over. And I'm back because I have mourned the loss of my favorite three weeks of the year already, and I'm ready to get back into doing the show. So we're just going to get right into it. And oh boy, what a weekend of stuff. What a weekend. You had the Valorant beta or the alpha get its first gameplay reveal with all the different streamers and YouTubers and Everyone else that, and esports commentators, like, I know Reinforce was out there, Golden Boy was playing, like, there were a few, like, just straight commentators who were playing in that thing, and they just dumped all of the content they were sitting on for a week on Friday, and, oh boy, that game looks like so much fun, but over the weekend you had... Uh, Call of Duty League did a couple exhibition matches to, I assume, test online play. And from what I saw of them, they went pretty well. We'll, we'll get more into CDL later in the show. And Overwatch League continued playing online and had a very interesting weekend. And the League of Legends Championship Series. North American League of Legends. It's always such an interesting place to say the least had their spring playoffs begin without four-time back-to-back champs team liquid who uh thanks to a very crappy attitude from double lift for basically the first like 70 to 80 percent of the spring split he just had a terrible attitude, didn't really care, and the team suffered for it. So he got sick, and then they benched him, and by that point, it was too late. And they are out of the playoffs. They cannot go to MSI this year after a very impressive performance at last year's MSI. If we even have an MSI this year, but it's it's scheduled for July, so I'm I'm holding out hope that... We can at least have something that resembles the midseason invitational. But Liquid completely missed the playoffs. And instead, we got the first round matchups where, oddly enough, uh, Cloud9, given their choice of the three and the four seed in North America, actually chose the three seed 100 Thieves, which left their. which left two seed. Uh, FlyQuest, I believe, was in second. I want to say it was FlyQuest. No, Evil Geniuses was in second. So, the it was all chalk. The Evil Geniuses left them with the the four, the perceived lesser team in, in FQ. And, all right. 
whatever. But Evil Geniuses took care of business against FlyQuest. They got the win. But Cloud9 put in a display of League of Legends so dominant (laughs) that it really shouldn't have even been a three-game series. They destroyed 100 Thieves, who I have been praising as this, like, dark horse underdog team of the future, only for them to get totally dumpstered by Cloud9 in their first playoff match. Yeah, just your your average everyday 18k gold lead 18 minutes into game two. Oh boy. They They got dumpstered in the draft. They got dumpstered on the rift. They got absolutely dominated by Cloud9. And really, it makes sense because if you guys have seen the LCS All Pro team for spring 2020, it was just Cloud9 starting five. That's how dominant Cloud9 was this year because they're, they're starting five. Licorice, Blabber, Niski, Sven, and Vulcan. Cloud9 starting five was your LCS All-Pro team for spring 2020. Not a single other team made it. Now, obviously not... The LCS is 10 teams and there's only five spots, so not every team is going to get represented. But nobody else... Other than Cloud9, just their five starters. I mean, they, I mean, it's deserved. They were dominant. They were, what, 16 and one in the regular season of the spring split? Yeah, they were 16 and one. That is historically good in terms of North American League. And they're probably just going to roll straight through the playoffs because their next match is not until Saturday against Evil Geniuses. I think they will have a little bit tougher time against them than they did 100 Thieves because no team can play that poorly that often. I don't think Evil Geniuses are capable of playing that poorly to the point where they just get destroyed by Cloud9. Do I think cloud Nine's going to win? Yes! Do I think they will do to Evil Geniuses what they did to 100 Thieves? Absolutely not. And look, I still have hope for 100 Thieves to be something eventually. They're not that right now. <laughs> they they have all this money. They have that beautiful facility like right in downtown LA with super high-end computers and anything a gamer would possibly need to be as good as they can be. And they still got totally destroyed by C9 on Sunday. Absolutely demolished. I don't know what's up, but they need to figure it out. Because there are too many smart people running that team for them to keep performing like this. Look, I get they're a young team. This is basically a brand new roster. Rioma came over from NA Light, which is Oceana. And he's adjusting to, I can't believe I'm about to say this, the higher level of play in North America. Oh, that, 
yeah, that one hurt to say a little bit because uh, it's hard to call it a high, higher level of play when we are far and away the worst of the major regions. We're we're barely a major region at this point. I mean, Cloud9 will do fine internationally this year, I hope. Because they are actually that good. We need some depth. <laughs> we need some depth in NA. And I thought 100 Thieves would be the team to do it. And I still think they will be. But they are not there yet. This year is not the year they were going to dethrone a team as dominant as Cloud9. And I'm really, like, good for Cloud9. Because... Remember how we were all acting at the beginning of Spring Split when they when they cut Sneaky and they signed Sven? That was one of the that was viewed as one of the dumbest decisions Jack ever made. Remember that? That Sven was nothing more than the guy who choked at at finals last year against Team Liquid when he was on TSM. I mean, that play is gonna haunt him for the rest of his life, but he's definitely redeemed himself for it with an absolutely dominant performance this season. Remember he didn't, he went what, like seven weeks into the spring split before he died once. He had like a 69 kill death KDR or KDA or KD. He had, he had a, he had a KD that was pushing triple digits. I didn't even think that was possible. So good for Sven because Cloud Nine's still my pick to win the Spring Championship and go to whatever shadow of MSI happens this year. I mean, I still think things will mostly be cleared up by the middle of July, which is when that tournament is scheduled to happen. But with stuff like this, you never really know. And when you're dealing with people traveling from all over the world you got to be a little bit more careful. I think by July, we'll have a bit more of a handle on this thing, but I can't guarantee that yet because I am not a doctor. And this is just my optimistic speculation that sooner rather than later, things will be back to something resembling normal. And I hope, I hope MSI is in NA this year because China got it last year. I don't think, and China has worlds this year. So I don't think MSI's going there. I don't think MSI will happen in Korea. Europe just had Worlds, so I don't know if they're they're going to get it. Like, who's left? Give it to NA. Please. Give me some time zone friendly MSI games. Ugh. As, as far as the, the losers bracket games that are coming this week, FlyQuest is playing Golden Guardians and 100 Thieves is playing TSM. Now... As critical as I was of 100 Thieves, I think they are good enough to beat TSM in a best of five. Because, like I said, there are too many smart people running that team for them to play that poorly again. They don't have that much time to prepare. Their last game is on Sunday. The game against TSM is on Wednesday. So that's not a whole lot of time to prepare. But it should be enough. Because again, these guys are ridiculously talented. They are a good team. They are capable of being really good. And Papa Smithy is a very smart guy. 
he knows how to run a team effectively. And hopefully they can get that win against TSM. I don't think I don't think they'll be able to make it to spring finals, but they can at least win a playoff match. Same thing with FlyQuest. They're better than Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians are good, not good enough. FlyQuest I think that one is more likely to go 5 than 100 Thieves TSM. I think 100 Thieves TSM goes 4. And 100 Thieves takes a 3-1. Like, they win game 1, they get a little cocky in game 2, they reorganize, and they win 3-4. and four. I think FlyQuest Golden Guardians will be a little more back and forth. And FlyQuest still takes it. And it's overall a really exciting series. There might be one blowout game here and there going either way just because of the nature of league and sometimes you can just get screwed in the draft and you're going to you're going to lose that match no matter what if you just get really bad breaks in the draft. But I think that one that one goes 5. Each game is pretty evenly matched with maybe one blowout and FlyQuest takes the win and then 100 Thieves get a relatively comfortable win over TSM and four. As far as Cloud9 and EG on Saturday, Cloud9 probably sweep again. It's just not as dominant as what they did to 100 Thieves on Sunday. Because I don't think, unless they were playing a non-NA team, like a wild card region team, I don't think they'd be able to duplicate that against a, a good NA team if they tried. They might be able to do it against the bottom of the barrel in NA. Like the teams that missed the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to do it to the two seed in the LCS. You still think they sweep them. They just don't have that insane 18k gold lead at 18 minutes. Like Cloud9 did in uh, Game 2 against the 100 Thieves. And Cloud9, they may be the best team in NA, but they're still the meme team. Like, their Twitter was just on fire roasting 100 Thieves. Like, they had the, the guys dancing with the coffin of with the 100 Thieves logo on it. Someone dropped the that meme everyone loves of the guy, like, doing the, the goofy pose in front of the, the tombstone where it's supposed to be the same guy. But they, they flipped it. The guy was Cloud9 and the, the tombstone was 100 Thieves. Like, Cloud9 are still the meme team, and if they uh, re- reach into my Dota knowledge vaults here, if if they pull a 2018 OG and just meme their way to a world title or a major tournament title, I'd be 100% okay with it, because that would be hilarious if a team from North America just memed their way to either an MSI championship or a world championship or heck both. (laughs) Could you imagine if cloud nine pulled off the grand slam this year when the entire community, myself included were ripping them to shreds for their terrible decisions at the start of the spring split, a spring split. They went 16 and one are probably going to win the spring championship. We'll probably do very well at MSI we'll probably win the summer championship and we'll probably do very well at worlds at minimum. 
Like, if Cloud9 pulls off the Grand Slam this year, when everyone thought last year it was a foregone conclusion for G2 to do it, and last year Cloud9 just bombed out, <laughs> can you imagine that? I would, one, be very confused, because that's not what I would have expected to happen in the 2020 League of Legends season at all, but it would also be very on-brand with 2020's particular level of insanity that Cloud9, the team who everyone ripped for what were called terrible roster moves, pulled off the impossible League of Legends feat of winning a Grand Slam. Like, SKT hasn't even done that. All the years SKT won MSI, they didn't win Worlds, and vice versa. SKT has never pulled off a Grand Slam. And they're the best team in the history of League of Legends. They have three world titles and two MSI titles. They've never won both in the same year. Can you imagine if an NA team was the first one to do it? I don't think it's going to happen. But my god, it would be funny. I would be laughing from November until February when the 2021 spring split started. (laughs) I would be laughing so hard for those two months, two, three, however many months it is. Three. I'd be laughing so hard for those three months because that would be the funniest thing ever. You know what? That's what I'm sticking to. You know what? I I think Cloud9 can do it. I think Cloud9 can pull off the Grand Slam this year. They're going to win Spring Championships. They're going to win MSI. They're going to win Summer Championships. And they're going to win Worlds. I am calling it right here, right now, on this podcast. And come April, when they have accomplished three of those four, and they bomb out at Worlds, just like G2 did last year, you can all come back and laugh at me. Because I am okay with standing up to my bad takes. But right now, I'm going to say it. Cloud9 will pull off a Grand Slam in 2020. But with that, that's all I've got for League of Legends. Up next, we're going to switch it up to another game I very much enjoy, the Overwatch League, and its current state in online because it's kind of wacky, and I've really enjoyed it. We'll get into that. That's up next here on The Mashup. All right. We are back again, and I can't switch over to traditional sports just yet because there are no traditional sports. So uh, I'm going to talk a little NFL and its insane offseason, but that's later in the show because we are just sticking with esports and rolling on into the Overwatch League. They've been back for two weeks now. We have a sample size of what the online version of the product is going to look like, and... Despite a few technical hiccups that are just bound to happen because of probably tens, if not probably tens of people working from home because you've got the six players on each team both playing from home. All right. They're probably in the same building, more than likely, because they all have team houses as far as I understand still. Even though they're not all in L.A., I think they are all still living together. At least the the Fusion are, and I believe the Justice might be as well, and some of the other teams. So you've got six players playing in two different cities. 
Then you've got all the casters in LA or they could have gone back home, home. So possibly Europe, possibly Australia, if you're dealing with Custa. But I think, I think a lot of the casters are still in LA. I don't think they've left because I would think they would have permanent houses in LA. So you've got all the casters working from home and then you've got all the production people working from home, the director, the producer, all of the observers. There's a lot of people all working probably all over the state of California. And then you've got the teams somewhere else on planet earth (laughs) because they could be in the Eastern U S they could be in Texas. They could be on the West coast of the U S or they could be in Korea, China, London, or Paris. (laughs) So, there are plenty of opportunities for technical hiccups. Ping, lag, connection issues, anything. There are so many issues you have to deal with. And given all of them, the past two weeks, the presentation has been really good. For the most part, I haven't noticed that much of a difference. Other than, you know, the lack of, like, crowd shots and shots of the players at their battle stations, I guess I'm going to call them like other than shots of players on the stage and crowd shots after maps end, I haven't noticed that much of a difference like at all. The problems normally come in between gameplay, which is the lesser part, the least important part of the broadcast. And it's nice that they have this kind of analysis for overwatch league, especially when you have, a lot of people who are probably new to the scene, but really it's the least important part of the broadcast. As long as you can see gameplay and gameplay is relatively smooth, you're golden. And they've done a really good job in the past two weeks. As far as the games themselves, it's good that the Asian teams are finally playing and hopefully they can catch up in number of games played soon. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, like the Chinese teams are playing the, the Chinese teams and Seoul Dynasty are just playing every weekend. Like, the three weeks of the schedule, the online schedule I can access, every Chinese team is playing every week. <laughs> All five of them. It's kind of funny. That they just have to, like, rush through games to try to catch up to the rest of the league because they couldn't play at all the first two months of the season. Two, three months of the season. And now they're just trying to play catch-up, and... Things are absolutely insane over there. I'm not awake to watch most of those matches because that time difference is atrocious. But, like, I've seen some of the highlights. They're just beating up on each other. I have no clue who the best team coming out of China is. I think it's Shanghai, but they got 3 hood by Chengdu, who they just beat. I don't know what's going on in China. And the casters have said it, and I think it's very accurate. You're because for the most part, you're just going to play the teams that are close to you to cut down on connection problems. So you're probably going to see like three different metas form. You're going to see one for the East. You're going to see one. You're going to see one for like the Eastern U S and Europe. You're going to see one for the Western U S and I think Korea is part of that group too. And then you're going to see one for China. Like you're going to see three different metas develop And when you get to the end of the season and they have to play each other in the playoffs or like this weekend, when there is a lot of crossover play, like the Chinese teams are actually playing American teams this weekend. They aren't playing each other. Like 
when the Chinese teams have to play London or Paris or any of like the East Coast US teams, it's going to be insane because they're going to be playing on completely different metas. Hey, remember last year when Chengdu was just like, yeah, we're going to run a wrecking ball. Screw goats. <laughs> You're going to get an even more insane version of that this year. And I'm okay with it. But let, let the Chinese teams beat up on each other because really, like, I'm glad that all of those teams are good because Shanghai has left 0-40 from 2018 in the dust. I mean, most of those players are completely gone. Like, they're not on the Dragons anymore. But still, like, the fact that they're probably the best team in China... Were it not for Seoul, they would be the best team in the Pacific East Division. Two years ago, which I know in the grand scheme of Overwatch League, which has only been around for three years, is a very long time ago. They were 0-40. The worst team in the history of organized professional competition. Not just esports. No traditional sports team has ever been that bad either. Has ever gone 0-40. Hmm. That was a great storyline for Overwatch League in its first year, though. That, oh yeah, our worst team is so bad, they can't win a single series. And the, the first season was spread out over months. Months and months and months. Like, I don't miss stages at all. I'm glad stages are a thing of the past, because that was terrible. You, like, never, you never knew when games were happening, because in between stages, they'd be off for, like, three weeks. I'm happy to say those are gone. I don't miss that aspect of the Overwatch League season structure at all. And as far as the American teams, it was it was kind of business as usual this weekend other than other than just the insanity of the meta that developed this weekend with uh with May getting banned out. Like May and May and Wrecking Ball both got banned out. And it just led to one of the most insane metas I've ever seen. We were running Torb Reaper. <laughs> I never thought I'd see Carpe play Torbjorn in 2020. And do it really well. And get hammer kills. And type and type sit at Corey in all chat after he killed him with the hammer. Like, I didn't know Carpe was a trash talker. I thought he was the quiet guy. <laughs> Online has made Overwatch League absolutely insane, and I'm here for it. And speaking of the fusion, they're still ridiculously good. They are still my favorite to win the title this year, and that is not just me being biased. Have you seen them play this season? They're dominating everyone. And look, despite all evidence to the contrary, I still think Washington Justice are better than their record suggests. Look, their record is terrible. They're two and six. I get it. They're bad. But they have enough talent to be better than two and six. I don't know why they haven't. I don't know if it's communication. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know what it is. But Corey and Stratus alone should be enough to make them win more than two games. They should have a better record than they do. And I am sticking to that. I think they can still make the playoffs. I don't think they'll do much. I don't have them pegged to win the championship at all. I still think that's going to come down to 
as of right now, it's looking like Philly and Seoul are the two best because the Shock have been shaky in their, look, I know, insanely small sample size from the San Francisco Shock, but they have been really shaky. I know they got the win this weekend, like, they got the win against Valiant on Saturday, but that's that's Valiant. They had a bad weekend. They lost to Dallas. So, like, KSP and KSF were just not prepared for this Reaper Torb thing that was going on this weekend. They were they were not prepared for this meta at all. But I still think the Shock are a little shaky. And I don't know if they will be able to repeat as champions. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even make finals. They they lost in semis. Because right now, Soul look better than them. Soul look a lot better than them. Like Soul has been incredibly dominant. And I don't see that changing anytime soon because whatever they did with that roster this year, they figured it out. They figured out Whatever they've been struggling with since the beginning of Overwatch League, just as a thing, and they have been dominating. So right now, like, yeah, right now, my pick to meet in the finals is Philly and Soul. And my God, that's going to be a really good series. It's going to be a really good series. And... You're not going to have hero bands in the finals either? Like, sign me up. Give those two teams access to every character in the game? Oh boy. Yes. Yes, please. Give me that. I know that's months away, but give it to me. <laughs> that's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. And, look, I know I'm a, I'm a biased Fusion fan. I will... Proudly admit that. I have the Nerf Poco shirt hanging up in my closet. I want to buy a Fusion jersey first chance I get. Like, I get it. They are my team. I am biased. But they're 6-1. and one. And they've looked really dominant in a lot of those wins. Some of them have been shaky, but they're Philly. I don't even question when a team from Philly gives me a heart attack because I'm used to it. I mean, they're moving to that same parking lot next year, so it's probably only going to get worse. Something about something about that complex on Broad Street. Actually, no, they play well there. That that Broad Street curse is going to hit them next year. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> something about that air right there makes Philly teams play really well at home and then just play like hot garbage when they're on the road. The Flyers recovered from it before the season ended. The Sixers didn't. So maybe maybe the fusion could be more like the Flyers and uh, and not struggle when away from Philadelphia, but that's the thing, they are playing exclusively in Philadelphia right now, so they're probably totally fine. They're probably going to be playing like this the rest of the season because all the matches are online. They don't have to travel anymore. Look out, everyone else. No, I'm that's that's me being incredibly biased. And only half joking. But no, I think I from what I've seen from the fusion so far this season, this is 
the best roster the Philadelphia Fusion have ever had. This is the best version of that team that has ever existed. Again, only three seasons, but they're way better than they were last year. And in season one, at this point in the season, they were above average at best. They didn't start to turn it around until after the midway point of the season. And we are not, we're getting close to the midway point, but we were like two thirds of the way through the season before the fusion really turned it on in season one. So I'm all for them playing well all year. Because it'll be the first time they've ever done it. And yeah, if we if we get a Soul versus a Soul Dynasty versus Philly Fusion final, I would be so happy. Because that would be one, a really good series. I'd be disappointed if the Fusion lost, but that would be a really good series to watch. It'd be some great Overwatch. But to have any Philly team win a championship this year when the Flyers kinda got robbed. I would love that. I would I would really love that. And they're black and orange, so it just it just adds an extra layer. It wouldn't be the same as winning a Stanley Cup. As much as I love Overwatch, I I can't even pretend that it would be the same thing as the Flyers winning a Stanley Cup. But at least one team from Philly could win a title this year. And right now, they're my pick to win it. Because they just totally dominated the Washington Justice. I mean, looked a little shaky on map one, but control maps are control maps. They're weird. Being good on being good or bad at control maps does not say that much about your quality as a team. And they still won. Like a lot of other teams, if they played like that on a control map, they probably would have lost. Even older versions of the Fusion would have lost those control maps, even if they won the rest of the series. But no, they got the sweep in very convincing fashion on the other two maps. So yeah, they're, right now, my pick to make grand finals from the Atlanta Conference. It's just, I mean, eyeball test is a thing, even in Overwatch, and they pass everything. They have insane DPS depth. Fury is a ridiculously good D.Va player, and he has gotten no playing time this season. So if Poco ever starts to slip a little bit, you have a god-tier D.Va player waiting in the wings. Sato has improved considerably since last season. And then Alarm and Funny Astro. I don't know where. uh, Alarm was underage, and I think Funny Astro might have been too, but these guys just came out of nowhere. Like, I thought Boombox was a good support. I was wrong. The the best British support on the Fusion is no longer Boombox. It's funny, Astro. And then Alarm. I saw a little bit of him in Contenders, but I didn't realize he was this good. But sure enough, here we are, and he's playing out of his mind. Yeah, they're they're my pick to, to win the whole thing. It's hard to deny what, what you see. So... Ah, but before we wrap it up, the hero bands for week 10 are hot garbage. This is maybe one of the worst band pools that has happened so far. Because this is kind of terrible. Sombra, Reaper, Diva, and Ana. 
there's going to be so much McCree May and Double Shield this weekend. It's going to be so much. That's that's all you're going to get. Like, people are going to run Reinhardt Orissa, McCree May, and then probably do, probably Brig and Lucio. Maybe Mercy Lucio. Or they're just going to go pure bunker and do uh, Baptiste and Mercy. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a great hero pool. I'm gonna miss the insanity that was uh, that was Torbjorn Reaper this weekend. That was just nuts. Like people were getting hammer kills. I don't know what was going on, but it was amazing. <laughs> we we need to go back to the cat picking the band pools because he picked an awesome one because it led to the insanity that was this weekend set of games. Like. We need the cat to pick the band pools every week. Or it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be Nori. It doesn't have to just be Nori. It can be the other analyst pets. But we need pets picking the band pool every week. Because the humans have clearly proven they can't do it right. <laughs> like, week two of bands. Soldier 76 got banned out. He got played for the first time in competitive play in like four years. Immediately gets banned out. The humans have proven they don't know how to do it right. We, we need to have the animals making the picks every week because, one, it's just hilarious to watch because it's so ridiculous of them trying to get the animals to step on these cards so they can make a pick. But, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be Miso and Nori every week. It could be other It could be other pets. Like, it could be Custis Cat Aria. It could be anyone's pets. But it should be pets making the picks every week. Just because lean into the insanity of going back to the old days of esports. Of teams not playing in the same room as each other. And the casters calling the game remotely basically over Skype. This may be our last chance to go back to that version of what esports used to be. Like this may be... The last chance to ever do that, hopefully, at least at the the high level of play, like come next season for Overwatch and COD League and League of Legends and all the others, they'll be playing in arenas again. So, or arenas and studios and whatever else they play in. So hopefully, but while, while you're forced to do things like this, have the cats and the dogs and the hamsters if you want to. Just let's go crazy with it because we can. Like the way your cameras are framed, I'm almost sure none of you are wearing real pants. So let's just get nuts. Why not? And the humans have proven you guys can't do it right. <laughs> so let's go back to the cats making the picks because I enjoyed it. And the fake 30 for 30 that they played this weekend was hilarious. It was just the trailer for one, but it was a really good fake 30 for 30 trailer. We need more of that. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I think other people did too. It was great. Do do more of it, Overwatch League, because it was amazing. But that's it for Overwatch League. Going to switch over to their partner in crime, essentially, who are coming back this weekend. The Cod League. Welcome back, guys. Get a little bit into what they're doing right after this here on The Mashup. All right, and welcome back 
to the mashup. I am very high energy today because holy crap, I miss doing this. Anyway, Cod League is coming back this weekend. Finally, it, it took them so much longer. I don't know why they're run by the same company as Overwatch League, but it did. And I mean, I'm glad they're coming back. I'm, I'm thinking that was probably more to do with the game and... Let's be honest, Call of Duty's terrible online system, because, let's be real here, it's not that good, especially when you're playing on console. And this is coming from a guy who actually likes this game. So, yeah, I can kind of understand why it took a little bit longer, and I'm glad they're keeping it as uh, certain cities are quote-unquote hosting, which I'm glad they're doing that, even though it's not technically... They're calling this weekend the Dallas Empire Home Series, even though it's not really a Dallas Home Series, like they're playing this online. I like that they're still giving the teams credit for hosting it. Like, in two weeks, Chicago Home Series, then Florida after that, then Seattle, then Minnesota, all the way down through the end of the season. I think the ones I'm most disappointed aren't going to be happening in their home markets are Chicago and Minnesota, just because... Chicago had a huge turnout for a fan meet and greet, like right after the season started. It was around the block. It was insane. So I'm kind of disappointed they're not going to get to perform in front of their home fans. But when they do next season, look out. That place is going to be rocking. Same thing with Minnesota. They didn't have much of a turnout back at launch weekend, but I think it was really, really cold. And it was like, like right before like right before or right after the spring semester at most colleges started like it was just a bad time because your prime audience was dealing with other things your your prime audience of college students were uh were doing other things so i kind of get why minnesota's launch weekend wasn't amazing i've seen their watch parties their watch parties are epic so i'm kind of disappointed that uh that june series is not actually going to be in Minnesota. But hopefully by the first weekend of June, restaurants will be open again, so we can still have those epic watch parties. That would actually be really cool. I don't know how you'd make that work logistically to have like when things are back to normal and the and if these seasons are still going, have people playing in front of their home fans, but it's only locals, like no traveling happened. I think that would be really cool. I don't know how you'd make it work, but it's a cool idea. I don't think it'll actually happen. But I'm think I'm hoping by by June restaurants and bars will be reopened so the rocker fans can have their epic watch parties because those things are incredible. Like I'm not even a Minnesota rocker fan and I want to go to one. I live nowhere near Minnesota. This would be an insanely expensive excursion. But I really want to go to a Minnesota Rocker watch party when when they can happen again because they, they look like so much fun. But what's actually happening this weekend, I, I'll i do more previews on the Friday show like I always do, but I am loving the lineup this weekend. Because one of the first matches on Friday night, which is another interesting thing, the initial matches are actually going to happen on Friday night rather than super early Saturday mornings because 
You don't have to worry about booking venues. You don't have to smash so many games into one day. You can play on Friday, and then you can play your qualifiers, and then you can play your championships on Sunday. It's great. You don't have to play as long on Saturday. Like, the first game on Saturday is at 1 in the afternoon Eastern Time. That's really good. That's great. Rather than it being at, like, 11.30? Or even earlier, like it was back for London? No, I'm liking this. And this lineup, good God. I mean, sure, Toronto's there, and Gorillas are there, but Seattle... They're not amazing, but Paris is there. Florida's there. Chicago, Minnesota, Dallas, they're all going to be there. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> I love the idea of Chicago versus Dallas in the finals. Like, that sounds like fun. Or even better, a rematch of LA where it's Dallas versus Minnesota. Because I know it's been several weeks. It's been about a month. But... Minnesota versus Dallas was awesome. Get a rematch of that at which should be Dallas's home series where they're even more motivated to be CDL 2020 Dallas champions because they're still going to be called Dallas champions if they win this weekend. Oh boy, give me that because they're in different groups. Minnesota's in group B. Dallas is in group A. And that first match, Chicago versus Minnesota, it's the third match on Friday. Yes. That's by far Friday's best match. (laughs) But that's going to be so good. I'm so here for that one. Like, yes, please give give me that. (laughs) Dallas versus LAG is going to be a stomp. But I'm I'm really liking that they're going to keep doing the tournament format, because that's kind of key to what the season is, especially if you didn't finish the rest of the season in tournament format, because the season's going to run through the end of July. So, uh, you know, maybe stick to the format you've been using all year. And over the weekend, they did have some exhibition games to probably to test the online servers to make sure it's actually playable because they didn't announce that they're coming back until today as I'm recording this. So yesterday for those of you who are listening to this, they they didn't announce they were coming back until like mid afternoon on Monday. So like they were probably making sure the test, the test games went well this weekend and London got the win over Florida, but Florida was still without Prestini. If he's not back this weekend, they could be in serious trouble. They'll probably beat Toronto, but they won't do much after that. I I know it was probably a mental health thing and there's no timetable on that at all as and it shouldn't be. But hopefully Pristini can come back soon because one, he's ridiculously fun to watch because he's really good and you know the whole massive chip on his shoulder from uh, his brother getting signed almost immediately and him getting kind of pushed to the side because everyone thought his brother was better than him and all the team, all the guys who kind of got pushed to the side, ending up in Florida together. So they all have massive chips on their shoulder. He's just their star player. So he 
elevates even more when he's really motivated. And I think the possibility of playing Chicago again would also help. I, I hope he can play this weekend because Florida is much better with him. And for his sake, because that means he's better from whatever was going on and he's playing again. So those are all good things. And as far as like, but this, this just sucks for Cod League in its first season. Like, I hate this for the CDL in its first season. Look, I know Activision is evil and they have a lot of money and they've taken a lot of money from us over the years with like cheap bull crap. I still hate this for the people who worked really hard to make CDL happen because a lot of those guys are not responsible for the terrible decision-making and greedy decision-making of Activision. Like they are not responsible for that. So I feel bad for them and I feel bad for the fans who are clearly very devoted to these teams in these other markets that aren't going to get homestands now, but had tickets. I mean, I know they got their refunds, but that had tickets. We're going to go to these things. We're going to go and support their teams. They're going to miss out on that for the rest of this season. And the season's going to end in July and it won't come back until the end of January of next year. That's a long layoff in between in between seasons. Like that's one of the longest in North American sports. I think football might be the only one that's longer because that's what July to January is, is six months. And now football is longer. Football is like the only one because May to October is May to October is six for basketball and hockey uh april to april to uh november yeah most sports are are that long but july to january just feels way longer because it's going into a new year like that feels really long even though it's not actually all that long Like compared to other esports, Overwatch and League of Legends have very long season layoffs. Like Overwatch has World Cup at BlizzCon to kind of bridge the gap. COD has nothing. So I feel bad for the the fans who are planning on going to these other events for the rest of the season and now they can't. Like that is terrible for them. And next year, all of these events are going to be absolutely rocking. <laughs> Like if obviously Minnesota is going to get another event next season, wherever they pick for their venue, I think the place they used for launch weekend was called the armory. That place isn't going to have a roof come whenever rockers home weekend is next season. Like those fans are going to destroy that place with noise and it's going to be really fun to watch from home because that like any sport, like, College basketball, like college sports especially, because it's a lot of the same audience. That energy carries through the TV, and it makes it so much more fun to watch. But overall, I'm glad COD League is back, because it's better than nothing. Because when stuff was off for a few weeks and I had nothing to watch, that was bad. That was real bad. Like, I had no sports, and I had no esports to watch. Oh, did not feel good. Did not feel good at all. But... 
things are starting to come back. At least esports are. And I am I am very happy and I'm really looking forward to this series this weekend because other than Atlanta, most of the like the league's basically entire upper tier is at this event. Because three of your top four are there, are playing in this thing. You're just missing Atlanta phase. And they're playing in two weeks in Chicago. And so is Dallas. Like, the only team missing from Chicago out of the top four is Minnesota. So you're going to get two back-to-back weekends of some of the best of the best of Call of Duty League. And I'm really excited that they're back. So welcome back, COD League. We all missed you very much. And that's it for COD League. So one or one and a half. Yeah, it's two. So one more full segment before I go into the rapid fire to end the show. The NFL offseason is still going strong and it is nuts. So we're going to get into that up next here on the mash. All right, we're back on the mashup and a lot of traditional sports may not have anything happening right now, like baseball, basketball, hockey, but of course the shield and the ginger hammer are here to guide us by uh, not shutting anything down other than not having the draft in Vegas this year, which again would have been absolutely amazing. Let's just put it off till next year because the Bellagio is still going to be there next year. <laughs> and it's still going to be absolutely amazing to have the draft in the Bellagio fountains. But this virtual draft is going to be weird and I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> they're, they're doing a virtual draft this year. It is entirely remote. So it's just going to be on Skype. We're going to be doing the draft on Skype, essentially. And... That's going to be hilarious to witness because you really think Roger Goodell knows how to work Skype properly. I don't, I know he's ridiculously smart and runs one of the biggest sports leagues on planet earth, the biggest sports league on planet earth, but I don't think he knows how to work Skype. That's going to be funny. That's going to be really funny. And the draft this year, when when guys will just be like waiting in Skype, and when they get drafted, they get to like they get to like pop up on screen for a second and show them celebrating. Oh, there are so many possibilities for weirdness in this year's draft, and I am all for it. Let's go nuts! Like I said with Overwatch, like just go insane with it. Have them all set up on Skype, and when they get drafted, you cut to their feed. Like, have all the guys who would have been invited to Vegas and would have been in the back just cut to their just cut to their Skype feed. That'd be amazing. And then as, as guys get drafted, you can disconnect and bring more in. Like, come on. You know that would be gold for content, for ESPN, for NFL Network, for anyone who wants to televise the draft. Be so good. Actually, ESPN and NFL Network are the only ones who have the rights to it. So, yeah, those two. That'd be pure comedy gold. That'd probably be funnier than someone falling out of the boat into the fountain. Because 
Nothing's going to happen. The fountain's not that deep. I, I think it's like three feet. Any football player is tall enough to stand up in that thing and be fine. But it'd still be funny. It'd be even funnier to have guys' Skype windows just pop up on the broadcast. That'd be amazing. I don't know if that's actually what they're going to do, but that'd be so good. It'd be so good. Uh, And I hope that's what the NFL does. They aren't into crazy ideas like that, so they're probably not going to do that. But that would be so funny. And then just like cutting away to interview coaches and GMs who are also on Skype and definitely not wearing pants. Like, (laughs) come on, that'd be so funny. That'd be so funny. Thank you, NFL, for not giving in to the the panic attack people who are just shaming you for continuing to do business. Because despite being non-essential, which sports are, they are non-essential, I would consider sports the closest thing to essential you can get while still being non-essential. Like, they can keep doing business. It gives us all a distraction. So yes, keep going, NFL. Normally I don't agree with your decisions that a lot of people hate, but this one I do. Keep going. Keep having free agency. Keep the draft on the day it's supposed to happen, even if you don't do it in Vegas. Just do it in Vegas next year, please. Because don't don't drop that idea. It's so ridiculous. It needs to happen. Please. Please give that to us as payback for everything that went wrong this year. That'd be so good. But as far as free agency goes, it's been absolutely nuts. And I like it. Obviously, the biggest one, Tom Brady is leaving the New England Patriots for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What? (laughs) I didn't want to believe it until I saw it happen. That's going to look so weird. Tom Brady wearing literally any other jersey than that that navy blue or the white or even the red of the New England Patriots. Like, that's going to look so weird. And if the Bucks bring back the creamsicle jerseys this year, it's going to look even weirder. I kind of want them to just because it'd be hilarious. Because, one, Tom Brady should probably not be wearing that uh, that digital clock looking jersey the the Bucks have right now. He's Tom Brady. He's the best quarterback ever. And God, it's going to be so weird and the Patriots are going to be terrible. Actually, no. I don't want the Patriots to be terrible because then they might get Trevor Lawrence. No. Hopefully the Patriots this year are perfectly average. They go like 7 and 9. They have a losing season, they miss the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to get anywhere near the top pick. They're just meh. They're just what Buffalo used to be. Them and Buffalo just swap spots. Because they won't do anything this particular year, but they also won't get Trevor Lawrence and just start this 20-year cycle of misery all over again. Because... If the Patriots are actually bad enough this year to get Trevor Lawrence, or if some team is dumb enough to trade that first pick next year to the Patriots so they can get Trevor Lawrence, they should be shunned from the NFL. (laughs) If any team is dumb enough to let the Patriots get the first pick next year, yeah, don't. 
don't don't do it. I hope certain teams just throw game certain bad teams just throw games to the Patriots so they don't have as good of a chance of getting the first pick. Because I really don't want that to happen. I do not want Trevor Lawrence to be a Patriot and just start this 20-year cycle all over again. That'd be awful. That would be so terrible. Please don't let that happen. I don't think it will, but a friend brought it up, and it's been a possibility that's that's stuck in my mind since he said it, that the Patriots could absolutely just end up tanking this season and hope for the number one pick and, you know, take the best quarterback prospect in years, possibly ever. You know, just, you know, take one of the best quarterbacks to ever play college football, a guy who was NFL ready after his freshman season. Uh, anyway, yeah, take, take the guy who is NFL ready at, at 19 years old when he's 21 and ready to dominate the NFL and make a whole lot of money doing it. Yeah. I don't want him going anywhere near the Patriots. That would be terrible. And Bill Belichick coaching Trevor Lawrence, that's a scary combination. So I have now, I don't, like I said, I don't want that to happen, but it has been stuck in my mind since it was suggested to me. And now you all have to share in my misery that that is a real possibility. So there you go. I apologize. Blame the guy who told me. (laughs) Anyway, the other one, I knew Peyton or Philip Rivers was leaving the Chargers. That was pretty much a guarantee, but it's still weird. He's been there forever. This season's going to be nuts. Philip Rivers is playing for the Colts. I mean, he didn't leave the AFC, but that's still insane to me. It's a little bit closer because it's a similar jersey color. Like, it's a darker shade of blue, so it's not going to look as weird as Brady going from, you know a dark navy blue a really really bright red and and white to mute like matte red blackish brown and burnt orange like that is a big color switch it's not as big for philip rivers he's losing the yellow the blue's getting a little bit darker but that's all that's changing but still that's going to be weird i mean it makes the colts a little bit better Actually, I don't know how good Houston's going to be this year because their idiot head coach traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. (laughs) The running back who hasn't had elite level production in years. You traded maybe the best receiver in the NFL for him and compared him to Aaron Hernandez. My God, the Texans should have fired Bill O'Brien at halftime of that game against Kansas City because once the Chiefs' comeback started, I knew he was going to blow it. We all did. Remember Twitter during that game? It was blowing up at laughing at how dumb Bill O'Brien is. The Texans should have fired him at halftime of that game. But they didn't, and now look at the situation they're in. Because, think about it this way, DeAndre Hopkins and... Deshaun Watson played together in college. They are really good friends. It was a miracle that you got both of them back-to-back years in the draft. Like, 
You know how many teams would pay to have a receiver their quarterback played with in college that they won a national championship together at? Mm. What a dumb decision by Bill O'Brien. And what a dumb decision by the Texans to make him GM so he could make these dumb decisions. He's terrible as a head coach. Why would you think he'd make a good GM? I mean, I'm I'm okay with laughing at the Texans because they're not my team, but I feel kind of bad for them because if he didn't make that dumb trade and they had a good head coach, that team would be a Super Bowl contender. They'd be an easy Super Bowl contender just with the two of them. They don't have much of an O-line, but their defense is solid and you have an insanely good quarterback and you had an insanely good wide receiver. That team would have been a Super Bowl contender if you had a better head coach and GM than you currently do. You should have fired him in January, Texans. He's going to do to you what Adam Gase did to the Dolphins. Trade all your best players and then just leave town. He's absolutely going to do it to you, Texans. And you need to fire him now before he screws up your team anymore. Speaking of screwing up teams... I really don't want the Ravens to sign Antonio Brown. I don't think that's actually going to happen, but the rumors started circulating with that workout video of Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown and Antonio Brown because Hollywood and Antonio Brown are cousins. They are related. And really, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Despite his horrible personality and ego bigger than most major cities. He is a really good wide receiver. And the fact that Marquise Hollywood Brown is related to him and he is available to help him get better at being an NFL wide receiver. I have no problem with that. I also don't want Antonio Brown in that locker room because despite the, the incredible, job the Ravens organization can do to turn around a player. I think Antonio Brown is beyond saving. We know what he is. This is the guy who filed multiple grievances with the NFL so he could use a nine-year-old helmet. What? That is what he was concerned about. He wanted to use his beat-up, worn-down, nine-year-old helmet. To the point where he spray painted it to look like a Raiders helmet. Heh. I don't want that coming to Baltimore. There is one Antonio I want coming to Baltimore this year. And oddly enough, he also does play wide receiver. He's in the draft. If you follow me on Twitter, you see me gush about him all the time. Antonio Gandy-Golden. If you want a good wide receiver named Antonio, draft him. He's younger. He has a significantly smaller ego. He has almost none at all. I've seen plenty of interviews with the guy. He's a ridiculously quick learner, has insane work ethic. I mean, the dude picked up bowl. This is a story I never knew until a couple weeks ago. I don't know how I never knew it, but the dude picked up bowling his sophomore year of college. Three weeks later, bowled a perfect game. 
Why would you, why would any NFL team not want that? I mean, he's going to get drafted, but I've been begging and praying that the Ravens take him. If you want a wide receiver named Antonio, take Antonio Gandy golden, because you won't have the locker room issues. It'd be a bit of a drop off in talent, but he has potential and he's willing and he's willing to work his butt off to get good draft him, please, please draft Antonio Gandy golden instead of signing Antonio Brown. You will be much happier and you really won't in like a year or two, the production wouldn't be that much different. So go for AGG rather than AB. I think the Ravens are smart enough to know this, but I still need to get this out there for all the idiots who think the Ravens would actually sign Antonio Brown. And that would be a good thing. So that's all I've got for the NFL. I'm going to wrap it up with some rapid fire weirdness and God, I'm glad to be back. One final segment here on the mashup. All right. One final segment and just some rapid fire weirdness to wrap up the show. It's basically two big things. Valorant and the masters getting moved. Now I'm not normally a golf guy. This isn't much of a golf podcast, but I still think this is really funny because the weekend they chose is November. It's a weekend in November and it happens to be the same weekend. Georgia is scheduled to play Tennessee in Athens. So, uh, the state of Georgia may explode that weekend. (laughs) And I would assume the Falcons are probably going to play that weekend too. They might be on the road. They might be on by, I don't know. I don't have the NFL schedule in front of me, but like just Georgia, Tennessee, that's a big game. That's a big rivalry game is now also going to be the same weekend as the masters, which is one of Georgia's biggest athletic events of the entire year, because the eyes of the entire world basically settle on Augusta, Georgia for four days to watch the masters. And that's going to cause some headaches for CBS because they have the rights to both the SEC and the masters. That's going to cause some massive headaches for CBS I would both love and hate to be in Georgia that weekend because one, there'd probably be a lot going on and a lot of fun to be had just overall, because leading up to a big college football rivalry game, nothing is more fun than getting anywhere near that particular college town and just soaking in the energy of that. And like the masters is the masters. Like I said, not a huge golf guy, but I have, golf connections in my family. Like, uh, my grandfather was a big golfer. My uncle still is. My mom has worked at a golf course for almost 20 years now. So even for someone who is not a golf guy, I know a little bit more about golf than the average person just through family connections. Like a lot of times when Easter landed in April, the masters would also fall right around Easter weekend. So a lot of Easter Sundays at my grandparents' house consisted of watching the masters. So it's like, like I definitely have a connection to that particular event being in April and just that event in general. Cause I have, I come from a, a golfing family despite being absolutely awful at the sport. 
Oh, I'm terrible at golf. It's it's not pretty. But, and I, I think it's kind of weird because I always see the Masters as this like beginning of spring. Baseball may have already started, but Masters, the Masters is like the official beginning of spring because one, Augusta National is one of the most beautiful places on all of planet Earth. Like the flowers are blooming. The the trees are, are well, the trees are, they're green. They've regrown their leaves and stuff. But you got all the flowers everywhere. You got the dogwoods, which look pretty, but smell terrible. I won't go into a rant on my opinion of dogwoods, but they are they are nice to look at as long as you can't smell them. Um, and Augusta National is just a ridiculously beautiful golf course. And I've seen the pictures of what it looks like in the fall. It's just as beautiful. It's just coming from the trees rather than the... Uh, rather than the flowers it's come from coming from the trees changing leaves like that burnt orange look if you couldn't tell i'm a big fan of the fall it's it's pro- like fall and spring are easily my two favorite seasons but that's going to look that's going to look weird cuz normally the masters like i said is a spring event and it is all about like part of the presentation is showing off all the flowers in bloom and everything this year. It's going to be about showing off the leaves, changing colors, which I've seen the pictures is also going to look absolutely amazing, but it's also going to be hilarious because the state of Georgia is going to explode that weekend because they'll have to deal with people coming from all over the world for the masters. And they will also have to deal with Georgia playing Tennessee in the same weekend, which is one of their biggest rivalry games on the calendar, despite Tennessee not actually being all that amazing the past couple years. But still, it is still a big game because both fan bases absolutely hate each other. And I'm I'm definitely interested to to see that weekend, just to see how the entire state handles it. Because it's gonna be nuts. But it's also going to be absolutely amazing. And I look at it this way. Because if, if, because this is a big if, if the NBA and the NHL do come back, they're going to come back in like June or July, which are normally like dead periods for sports. They are dead. Like you have baseball. And as much as I love baseball, each individual game does not mean all that much in the grand scheme of the season. Like, you have to look at 10 game stretches for baseball games to matter. That's just a fact. Like, individual games don't really matter as much until you get to September and you're scoreboard watching. Which I also love. I love doing that. But imagine having the NBA and the NHL back, like, early summer. Baseball's still going strong. That's like the peak of the season. And then... Those end, you still have baseball for a little bit. And then immediately after that, the NFL and college football are going to start. And before you know it, college basketball, NBA, the NBA and the NHL are all going to be back. And you have the World Series. And now you have the Masters. The fall is going to be stacked. (laughs) Because even if the NBA and NHL don't come back, when they come back in October... Can you imagine how insane people are going to go? I'm going to be one of them. Like, whenever it is that the the NBA and 
in particular the NHL, come back, I'm going to lose my mind. Same thing with college basketball. And both versions of football, college and NFL. I'm going to lose it when they come back. Because it's only been about three weeks. It feels like it's been three months since sports went away. No, it has been just over three weeks. So it has been a long, it has been a long, long three weeks. And when everything comes back, oh boy. I don't think I'm going to be the only one either who's making a whole lot of noise and appreciating everything for, for being back. I'm never taking sports for granted again. Because this has been truly awful. And I know there are more important things, but I miss sports. The NHL playoffs were supposed to start this week. The national championship game, as I'm recording this, was supposed to start in about uh, about two hours, two, three hours. So, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. But when it all comes back, look out. We're going to have some fun. But one more thing before I close up the show, switching back over to gaming, because this is a big story. Uh, As you guys are listening to this, the Valorant closed beta is out there. Um, For everyone who is watching those streams trying to get drops today, good luck. I am doing the same thing because I really want to play this game. I watched... I watched the streams basically all day on Friday. I watched the YouTube videos that trickled out over the weekend. Like, I was consuming a lot of Valorant content. Which is weird. I've never experienced with... I've experienced withdrawal from games before. Like, I don't play them for a while and I really miss them and then I play them again. Like, and the catharsis of doing that is amazing. But... I've never had it for a game I've never played and a game that isn't even really out yet. I have with Valorant because I was never a big CS fan. I've played CSGO. I played it years ago and I was okay at it. I never jumped into ranked because I didn't really play it enough, but I, I enjoyed that game. I wasn't amazing because I was playing on a, not great laptop with a with a terrible mouse and sitting in my bed rather than sitting at a desk so you can imagine how hard it was to play a super precise highly tactical first person shooter while sitting in your bed but i am really looking forward to valorant because it's heavily csgo inspired like that is plain to see just by looking at the maps like that game is very inspired by csgo And the dev team from Riot even admits it. They are all big CSGO fans. It's like, we can tell. You have a gun called the Operator that's literally just the op from CSGO. I can't wait to use it because I I like big, powerful sniper rifles. And all the other guns look like a whole lot of fun, too. The Vandal, their AK, that looks really fun to use. The Spectre, I think it's their MP5. Their pistols look really fun. The abilities look amazing. Like This game, it's about 90% CSGO, but that little 10% that it's Overwatch is just enough to really pique my interest. Like That little 10% of that game that is Overwatch in, in all the different abilities 
and those abilities look like a lot of fun. Especially Phoenix and Jet, like, whoo. Like, Phoenix is ult. That's perfect for me. You can be super aggressive and not have to worry as much about dying. That is a perfect ult for me because I play shooters incredibly aggressive. Even when it's generally advised to uh, not do that. I think I've played enough Rainbow Six Siege in the intervening years to be a little bit more tactical than I was when I first uh, when I first played CS. But I am really looking forward to this game. And I'm really looking forward to its esports scene because, let's be real here, it's run by Riot. Who have run the most popular esport in the world for the past 10 years. I think it's going to do okay. And I've seen a lot of memes making fun of making fun of Overwatch players who uh, who aren't going to be any good at Valorant. A lot of the players over the weekend who did the best were Overwatch players. <laughs> they were the ones who did better than the CS:GO guys. The CS:GO guys had better aim, but they weren't as used to ability management rather than utility management. And I could see that being a serious advantage in favor of the Overwatch players. Like stuff like Jet, where she can jump up in the air and be up there for an extended period of time and still shoot from that position. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be trouble for the more gritty CSGO players who are used to just like holding an angle, turning a corner. If someone's there, you shoot at them and you move back to cover. So they can't, if you miss, you move to cover so they can't get a return shot on you. And you just do that until one of you dies. Like the difference in Valorant, where you have characters who can have abilities that are designed specifically to go through walls and don't work. If they're not going through a wall, like, that's going to be trouble for a CSGO player because they're not used to that at all. Or or Phoenix's uh, curveball ability, where it's literally just a flashbang that, given the name, curves around corners. <laughs> like It is designed for it to be used when his targets can't see him. That's going to be... That's going to be trouble for people. A lot of the characters have smoke grenade equivalents omen can just drop smokes at will basically that's going to throw some csgo people off i saw one meme where they had where riot released the ranking system and the lowest one mercenary was overwatch players soldier was candy crush players now i am here using what tiny platform this podcast gives me to say that is dumb I know it's just a meme, but I kind of resent the shot at Overwatch players that were not going to be that good at Valorant. I don't think that is true. And the fact that you think the Karens who play Candy Crush would be ranked higher than us. If you really think the target demographic of Candy Crush is going to want to do anything to do with Valorant other than trying to get it banned for being too violent, you are insane. That's the only thing that crowd is going to want to do with that game. They're going to see it once, think it's way too violent and try to get it, try to get it banned unsuccessfully because duh. Yeah. So I know it was just a meme, 
but I still don't like it. And I am using this tiny platform to say, to stand up for Overwatch players and say, no, we are going to be better than that at Valorant. I might not be, but Overwatch players as a whole will be better than that at that game. But that is it for this return episode of the mashup. You guys have no idea how much I miss doing this. I hope you're all staying safe. Wash your hands. Don't go outside too much unless you absolutely have to. And doctors, nurses, all the guys on the front lines, you have no idea how much I appreciate what you guys are doing because I couldn't do it. I am definitely praying for you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep saving lives. Stay safe. And everyone else, stay inside so we can get sports back. Hope you all have a good day, good day, and I will talk to you guys on Friday. I will see you then here on the mashup. I'm back, baby. Let's go. Again, brothers, sisters, everybody, same. Gonna bring.